was living in a devil town. Didn't know it was a devil town. Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Welcome back, everybody, to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, the podcast dedicated to the TV show Friday Night Lights. Uh, as we have gotten started on a fourth season, a season that we were not sure was going to end up happening at all. But uh, thanks to, again, the deal between DirecTV and NBC, it was able to go through and happen. And and as most people probably know, it's currently on run with DirecTV, and then the NBC run will happen, most say, in the summer of 2010. There have been rumors of a possible bump up with some of the TV shows NBC has not working out quite as well as they would hope to, but who knows what will happen. But we were, um, I was in conversations with some different people just trying to figure out if the podcast should happen during the NBC run, which obviously nearly everybody in America can be a part of and watch, but um, only 15 to 20%, I believe, of uh, people watching television have DirecTV. Uh, able to access the one-on-one network. But um, as I pretty much decided to do it for the second half, uh, excuse me, the second run of the show, the second run of season four. But as I was keeping up with stuff uh, before the season started and reading reading, uh, blogs and reading Twitter and uh, just getting kind of caught up in the fan issues and all, I realized that most everybody that is a true diehard fan is going to be watching it during the DirecTV run, whether on DirecTV or finding... A way to watch it otherwise, either barring uh, a friend's DVD they may have been able to get off of off of DirecTV or uh, burn it off their DVR or what have you. I don't know. Different ways for different people, but um, I decided to go ahead and do it. And, and obviously episode one aired last week, and this episode of the podcast is coming in very, very late. So I apologize for that. We had some, some work issues, some family issues, and just some life issues in general that uh, that pushed it back a little bit. But hoping to have it much quicker than this in the as the coming episodes happen. And I'm also hoping to have uh, one or two people to help me out here and there as, as some co-hosts. We've been talking about that previously. I know we just got to work out schedules and figure out how that happens. But all this to say, here we are, episode one of season four, East of Dylan. Um, Last we saw of any of our friends from Dylan uh, was as season three wrapped up. And season three wrapped up very nicely uh, when they shot the episode, when they wrote and shot the episode. It was one of those things where the, the cast and crew did not know if there would be a season four or not. And so I thought they did an excellent job of being able to put it together in such a way that it wrapped up almost every storyline you could think of in a nice, succinct way. But at the same time, it opened up some new beginnings for if a next season started. We closed with realizing that Joe McCoy uh, ousted, was the best way to put it, ousted Coach Taylor from, from Dillon High School, and Wade, uh, Wade Aikman is coming in to be the new coach. Therefore, the school board offered the position at the newly reopened East Dillon High School, the head coaching job there, to, to Eric Taylor. And... Um, and so, obviously, as we as we move into the next season, we expect that there will be some growing pains as the new school opens because we saw that the field and the stadium and all was pretty run down. But those are some things I had problems with as as this episode opened up because we see it flashes across the bottom of the screen. We see it's August, and we don't know exactly what all has happened from May to August. And we see some people driving around. We see some people kind of living life, but we see we see Landry go to his mailbox, and he gets an 
a letter from the school district informing him that he's being transferred from Dillon High School, which is now West Dillon High School, to East Dillon, the new school. And I think, are you serious that he's not understanding and finding out that he's being transferred until August? Um, surely he would have known and expected that before. Uh, you'd have to think, and at the same time, you would, you'd think that they knew where the district lines were, even though they were kind of gerrymandered by Joe McCoy and, at the time, Buddy Buddy Garrity. Uh, they knew the map. They seen where it, the lines were drawn east and west, and he would have expected that he would, would be going to Dillon. Uh, but he seemed pretty shocked Dave, to find out that that was what was happening. Um, we also see Coach Taylor when he finally visits his field house. Again, it's August. He walks up, he crosses the field, starts trying to get in, and can't. he's kicking the door, and a groundskeeper or a maintenance man comes and lets him in. And He's looking around his field house and sees the raccoon. He sees how the disarray, the disrepair that the place is in. And to me, that seems like that's out of character with, with who Eric Taylor is and the, the how prepared he usually tries to be for things. I would have thought that the ending scene from season three, when you saw him and you saw Tammy standing there uh, arm in arm looking out at the, the new field, I would have thought that he would have been out there doing grounds work. He would have been out there trying to get the grass looking right. He would have been in, looking in the field house trying to get things put together and, and as, as much as he could, push, putting effort into it to have it be a great place. And uh, it looks like none of that happened. It looks like that that was the first time he had even taken a look at it. Um, again, what about summer workouts? What about summer conditioning? Uh, what about learning some plays and some formations or at least learning players and knowing their names and things during the summer? What high school team, high school football team, does not do that every summer? And there again, we're led to believe that as East Dillon opens up, that the first contact he's had with any of these, with his, his team, with any of his players, was at, as during August. And so I find that a little hard to believe. A, it's Texas high school football. B, this is Eric Taylor, who has been to the state championship two of the last three years. Um, won it one year and had uh, has a reputation of being a great coach. Uh, for it to have been like that. That's that's just me nitpicking. I guess it does kind of set up a little bit of extra uh, drama that how low things are and how high they will have to climb as they get into into the season and, and to see what happens. You know, and people already now are speculating. Obviously, they, there's no way to realistically think these guys would, would end up making or winning games in the playoffs. Uh, one of the questions that I've I've been asked and, and talked about is, are there any chances at all of East Dillon beating West Dillon? Um, right now, I don't see West Dillon. Um, their JV probably has more than 18 players on it easily. Uh, and so at the same time, it's this. we're told that 18 players is what, what East Dillon is down to after he weeds out some bad attitudes and everything. Um, and that's another thing that bothered me because if you remember back, I can't remember exactly which episode it was, but middle of season three, just past midpoint, when we realized that East Dillon was going to be formed. Were we not told that there was going to be equal funding? Were we not told that there should be at least equal equal numbers in the student body between the two schools? But then here we are seeing that there's way less of a budget, especially athletically, um, way less, it seems, student body. Maybe there's just no interest in, in high school football, but nobody comes out. But at the same time, it seems like a huge disparity between the two, both in funding and students. And 
obviously with the, such the uproar that that the West Dillon parents seem to get into, and even a lot of the students, the uproar that they get into about the possibilities of some of the students being sent to East Dillon because of the, the district lines, how resistant they were, not just resistant, but how combative they were. It seems like there's there's a, a very, very low opinion of what happens uh, over in the east side of town. Um, I don't know if that's racially. I don't know if that's economically motivated or a combination of both or, or exactly what's happening there. But uh, anyway, that's the kind of situation that it looks like the rest of the this, this, this season, season four, will play out with, with um, West Dillon being uh, all glitz and, and not glitz and glam necessarily, but just, you know, how on the horse it seems to be the the shiny, sporty uniforms and great green field and the jumbotron and the full stands and the rocking band. And uh, and then you got the weedy, patchy field that Coach Taylor himself had to put the line chalk out on. Um, not even using spray paint, which most, most teams seem to put on their fields these days. Uh, and just a huge... Uh, inequality that you see there um we begin to see some of our some of our old friends there as well uh tim tim riggins is at school at san antonio state completely not digging class uh and i don't know how many classes he went to the one class we see him in he leaves right after it gets in his truck and begins chunking the entire contents of his backpack out into the highway and, uh, and eventually his backpack itself, as if he was washing his hands to be completely done with school. Um, so he's given up on school. He goes back and starts to hang out with, with Billy and Mindy again. Uh, Mindy, who is, I guess we're probably thinking, what, four or five months pregnant now, expecting a new baby on the way soon. Um, and then that, that there ends up being a fight between Billy and Tim because Tim just wants to come back home. And Billy's saying, look, there's no room for you here now. And at first I thought he, it was kind of ironic. But then at the same time, that's that's the house that Tim grew up in. Mindy moved in with Billy into Billy and Tim's old home. And now and now Billy's kicking Tim out. And you got to expect Tim's probably only been gone a matter of weeks, if that long, as he went to school, as he went away to college, expecting that he lived there during the summer. And so there is... There's the, I guess, you know, what, what is Tim to do now? He actually ends up going and uh, drinking at a bar, which, again, I never quite understand. I guess he's got fake ID, obviously, but I never understand the the freedom that, that he has always had to go to this bar or that bar around town. But ends up going home with the waitress. Uh, Tim must have drank a lot and had some pretty pretty thick beer goggles on, but wakes up in uh, in in a stranger's home uh, to the sound of the national anthem being sung. And from there we get to meet one of our, one of our new characters, Becky, whose uh, house that was. Um, and I think that she's going to be a major character, one of our new characters for the, uh, for the season. And she actually is a student at East Dillon, sings the national anthem that Friday night at the football game. Um, but Tim is, is trying to find his way, not knowing what, what to do, where he's going to go. We'll actually talk a little bit later about some previews that uh, for next the next episode that he's probably going to be pretty pretty uh, highly featured in, in it. Um, J.D. McCoy, if you remember at the end of the last year uh, state championship game, he uh, had a total meltdown. First half, he um, was crying at halftime. Davis putting so much pressure on him. Joe McCoy was, uh, and he just broke. He crumbled. Um, he was screaming at his players. He was yelling 
at, at, as teammates, his offensive line specifically. And uh, coach told him to, to get out of there and, and get get back. And Matt came in, and Matt almost brought the Panthers uh, back to tie the game to win the game, uh, but didn't happen. And um, that was episode 12, episode 13. You see J.D. is, is going through spring practice, big shot QB. Uh, he's on a couple of All-American watch lists. It seems like, and uh, but there's still that rift between he and, and Coach Taylor. Um, but we don't see a whole lot of him in that episode. But something happened to J.D. over the summer. He has turned into a total jerk. Uh, and at first I thought it was completely out of character. And it did seem kind of extreme still. But uh, I guess he decided to to fall in line with his dad. His dad has seen power and and money and how the how you can get drunk on that, I guess. And and it'd be uh, controlling. And so he's completely arrogant. Uh, you see it at the first point when uh, Matt and Julie, Matt's delivering pizzas now since he decided not to go to Chicago. Uh, and then he delivers a pizza to the McCoy's Palace, uh, the very big palatial home. And you see J.D. just kind of joking around and, and kind of taking some digs at Matt. Um, and he actually saying, oh, I wish he would have gone to Chicago because I was hoping to really get with Julie this year at school. Um, but then fast forward to that that evening at a party, and JD's being really cocky with Julie and trying to mess with her and um, acting like he's going to throw in the pool picture up just as Matt gets there and there ends up being a scuffle. But one of the more humorous moments of the entire night, and there were a few, but one of the more humorous moments is when JD and Matt had to get pulled apart. And JD yells at Matt, he goes, It's my Dylan now. I'm like, Are you serious? I mean, I know you're a sophomore. But is that, I guess he had been drinking a lot, but he was drunk on more than just alcohol. It was it was on his arrogance, too. But um, J.D. has turned into a total jerk, so I'm kind of sad about that because I really felt for J.D. last year. Um, as the pressure that his dad put on him and, and everything like that, um, and, and then the meltdown, especially after his dad ended up slamming him up against the back of the SUV in Applebee's parking lot. Oh, I was disappointed there were no scenes at Applebee's. I'm assuming Applebee's is still open. There in Dillon High School, um, we mentioned Matt's not in Chicago. He for um, decided to to forego the trip to Chicago, the Art Institute there, to go to Dillon Tech. Um, and things things don't seem to be going very well there for him at the uh, at the school, just because the art teacher there is not digging into what he's doing. So Matt's still trying to figure out what's what's going to happen. Um, and if you if you keep up the Friday Night Lights much at all, you know that he probably will not be finishing the uh, the entire season here. You know, one of the questions that that a lot of people seem to have is Buddy Garrity, and he he's been loyal to the Panthers for so many years. He was a Panther himself growing up. He still got his state championship ring. Um, he's put in so much time and effort into into the into the team, into the school. Um, his kids went there, or his, his oldest kid at least, but. Uh, and he and Joe McCoy seem to be buddy-buddy quite tightly. And at the end of the season, you could tell that as as Coach Taylor did not uh, get his contract renewed at Dillon High School, you could tell that Buddy was uh, – it seemed to have some inner turmoil. I, I don't know if everybody saw that, but I, I thought he seemed kind of a little bit upset and not sure what was happening there, uh, if that he agreed with it. Um, I think he was kind of hurt by the decision. But um, you see this episode, you know, the first time we get a glance of him, he is literally chasing – a golf cart that that uh, Joe McCoy and Wade Aikman, the new coach of West Dillon Panthers, 
is is riding around on, and they're not giving him very much of a time of day. And the next time we see him, they're all sitting around the a table, and I guess athletic offices at, at the high school, and they're trying to tell uh, Joe and Wade are trying to tell Buddy something that that he can do for them. Oh, you can make it work out. You can do it. And he's just kind of wringing his hands like I, I don't know if I can, guys. And as Tammy walks into the meeting, and he, you can tell that Joe that uh, you can tell that Buddy kind of looks away as if that's not something that. He's too happy about being in it because I think you know if you think about it, the Taylors, the ones that when Buddy had, had marital problems, they allowed him to come in and and be there at their uh, at their house and and stay there for a while. And they opened their home to him and they opened their home to to Lila when when she was on the outs with her dad for a bit and and everything like that. And so I'm sure there's a may, I'm not sure I'm not saying a feeling of betrayal just yet, but I'm sure there's some resentment there or some disappointment probably the better way to say it but um i just get the feeling that he's on the way out uh, and he'll end up in, in east dillon too um, and speaking of tammy when she walked in when she walked in that time uh they were getting ready for the season and they're asking her to do the the initial coin flip and and everything and she agreed to do it um even though it was usually the mayor's position and uh, she made a, a kind of a, a little side-handed sideways comment which I hope you guys get everything you deserve. And of course, Wade Aikman, I don't think he's the most intelligent person in the group. He was like, oh, I appreciate it, Tammy. I really appreciate it. But you could tell with Joe McCoy's eyes that he was like, huh, you got something else. That's a, that's a double entendre of sorts there. But, of course, there's no love lost between Tammy and Joe because Tammy, again, uh, she and Eric welcomed both Katie and J.D. into their home after Joe went nuts and and was uh, being abusive to the two of them, especially J.D. You know, will be sparking a lot. Um, and if you fast forward even to the the coin flip, they told her that she could call whatever she wanted to, but they like heads to call heads. And if they won the toss, that they wanted to kick off first and go on defense. And she won the, the coin toss by calling tails. And then she called, uh, she called that they wanted to receive the ball and go on offense first. And J.D. was flipping out. Because he was one of the team captains at midfield, and uh, Wade Aitman kept going, "What'd she call? What'd she call? What's going to happen? What'd she do? What'd she say?" And but you again you take a, a glance at Joe McCoy in the stands, and there he is with the with his arms folded, with a very disapproving yet sarcastically arrogant grin, or not even grin, but just kind of a scowl, a scowling smirk. Interesting. I don't know if she shows up later on, but Tammy, excuse me. Katie McCoy was nowhere to be seen in this episode, which I would have assumed that she would have been next to Joe there in the stands, there to see her son play. And she wasn't. Um, oh, one character that we didn't bring up and mention is Vince. Vince is a new guy. He is uh, a trouble kid who's going to be a part of the um, uh, Jocks and Cops program. Uh, try to get some kids who have had some trouble with the law but not any, any major crimes that they're going to be able to be a part of an athletic program and hopefully uh, orient their lives and get them back on the right track. Um, I expect that he'll be a, uh, he'll, he'll be a solid member of the team and um, one that seems to have a, a completely different attitude than what you initially would have expected. Um, seems kind of humble. Um, doesn't seem as hard edged as, as I thought the first time we see him, he's literally running from uh, a bunch of policemen and gets arrested and thrown down on the ground in the dust. And he, he seems angry. But the rest of the episode, he doesn't seem to, to have quite that same edge. 
Um, I expect that he'll be he'll be somebody that we see a lot more of. Uh, we mentioned Becky, who uh, is a student at East Dillon as well. Um, Luke, who I'm not exactly sure what his position is. I've, I think he's going to be in running back. And uh, some of the storylines, he's going to have, I think, a big, a big episode coming up to you. We'll have, I'll talk a little bit about the next episode later on, uh, just to make sure that we don't have any. Some of it may be spoiler esque. So if you want to, if you want to drop, drop off the podcast at that point. Um, Calvin Brown is a guy that uh, that seems to have a lot of attitude. Um, he w- tried out for East Dillon. He, he came out for the team, and he ended up uh, making a mistake. Uh, throwing the ball and hitting one of the assistant coaches in the eye. And the coach is actually a baby, but he left. Um, Calvin later on got into a squabble with Landry. And in the locker room, Coach Taylor came in and gave them a chance to uh, to make up, said, end it right here. Y'all make up. And Landry shook his, stuck his hand out to, for him to shake. And uh, Calvin Brown, you know, basically you know, said, you know, kiss off, no way. And uh Coach Taylor got in his face yelling, get out of my locker room, get out now. And, I mean, literally centimeters from his face. I was pretty impressed with the anger and with the intensity. And I was kind of surprised that Calvin Brown did not did not respond in any way. Um, he left the team. But I anticipate that he'll be back in some form or fashion later on in the in the season. I, w- I look forward to seeing how his character develops, um, too. And... Um, as far as as far as new characters, I, I, I was, that's really about it. There's an assistant coach that is uh, annoying. He's actually worked at Sears, and he's been Pop Warner Coach of the Year before. Uh, I don't know if he'll work out or not. Um, very enthusiastic and passionate, but basically just tries to repeat everything Eric says. Um, but as the as the episode ended, obviously the uh, the team had to forfeit if you because they were just not able to put enough people on the field to go back out they were so injured and beat up and bruised and cut and bloodied at halftime um, and that's the way this the episode ended um, if you remember back to season one episode one as the injury happened for jason street it was like just a huge gut punch and the excitement that you were feeling for the the season and the new series and everything and to have something tragic like that happen it almost seems the same thing happened right here with the with the tragedy of the team having the forfeit the game, they weren't able to go back out there. Um, it finished the second half, and it happened just as Tammy was walking up. She traveled from West Dillon to East Dillon, which I, I don't know how far away the, the two teams are, the two fields, but apparently she left right after the coin toss. It took her two whole quarters to get from West Dillon to East Dillon. Um, and so she must have had to stop for, uh, for a burger and fries somewhere along the way. Not exactly sure what happened there. But, um, but we're left with a forfeit. And that's how it ended, and it was just like emptiness. And I'll say the episode was was spot on. I loved it. Um, one of the best season opening episodes I've seen in a while. And uh, if, if you followed Friday Night Lights, you know season one was epic. Season two had a couple of missteps, I think, along the way. And then plus with the writer strike, it was not able to finish up some of those storylines. And so it just kind of left a lot of people hanging. Season three came back full strength. Full steam. I think the writers knew they were writing from episode one to thirteen. They're able to pack a lot of stuff in there, and I think season four seems to be easily on par with what we're seeing there with episode one and excuse me, season one and season three. And so, uh, can't wait to look forward to what's happening next. We'll do a little bit of listener feedback first, and then after that, we'll look at what's happening next next episode.
as always, with listener feedback, you can contact the podcast a number of different ways. One, you can go to the website, fnlpodcast.com, and leave a comment there on the blog, and we can look at it from there. You can email us at fnlpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail as well. And the voicemail number is 662 259 0185 again 662 259 0185 or you can even leave a twitter message at twitter.com slash fnl podcast steven isaacs he emailed us and he said that he thought that episode one did live up to the hype he couldn't believe all the commercials that he's seen for the past month and so he says that you need to give props to direct tv for for the promotion that they're able to do um he says it does seem that J.D. has gotten quite an attitude since last season. Um, he has a feeling that J.D. will be acting much more like his dad. And he thinks the reason that East Dillon has so much more, he thinks the reason that West Dillon has so much more talent is from when Joe and Buddy and the gang were re- redoing the, the district lines to make sure they got not only the best current players, but even the junior high players. Um, maybe Coach Taylor should not have looked the other way back then if he had done the right thing. It would have probably been a more more equal at least the two teams here. Um, Red does look quite strange on Coach Taylor, but probably it will grow in us. And I thought that too. It was, it was one of the things that I thought red and blue, uh, it just it, Coach Taylor did not look right at all to me in, uh, in red. I guess three seasons I've seen him in blue. Um, Steven also says that he loves that the Lions are still doing the cheer clear out full hearts. Um, he expects Joe and Tammy to have many more fights. He says, I don't, I don't think they'll get her forced out like they did Coach Taylor. I also noticed Buddy acting really weird. I wonder what he's thinking. It's kind of different for him to be speechless. True, true. I do think West Dillon, excuse me, I do think East Dillon will be a force eventually. If they get the star running back from West Dillon like it seems that they will, then they could be a lot better a lot sooner. I don't know if they'll beat West Dillon this season, but definitely by next season. I'm looking forward to week two. I'll try not to say this much every week. That's okay, Stephen. Uh, say as much as you need to. We're glad for uh you're reading and listening in with us. Um, and then Sandy Band, uh, she is calling in from Seattle. She also emailed us, but here is here is her, uh, her voicemail. Hi, Blake. This is Sandy from Seattle. I found your podcast over the summer. I started listening because I was having SNL withdrawals. And so I'm excited for it now because I found the show online. I don't have direct TV, so I was getting very jealous. But hopefully I'll continue to be able to find it online. Anyway, I thought the first episode was great. It's definitely a good setup for a lot of drama. So here's some of my thoughts. Um, I think Coach Taylor will lift that team into shape because there's no better coach, right? And, um, yeah, he has his work cut out for him, but I know I know he will step up to the plate. And I think it's going to be interesting that there are going to be some storylines about race again because that was so – that was such a big part of season one. It was a big part of the book. So that's going to be interesting. And, and then Tammy, of course, she's going to be put in difficult situations over and over again, I'm sure, with Joe McCoy. That's going to be interesting. But I think she'll continue to stand up. Um, yeah, because Taylor and Tammy, they're awesome. I love them. I love Matt and Julie and Landry. I can't wait to see what happens with them. And, of course, Tim Riggins. My favorite line of the show this week was when the new girl says, so what does it feel like to be the guy who used to be Tim Riggins? You know, it was funny, but 
it also speaks to that larger theme of the the small town guy who was the high school hero, and then after graduation, he kind of gets lost. So I think he will be lost for a little while, but I have faith that he'll find himself. He'll find his place. Um, it looks like in the episode for, I mean, the preview for episode two that he's going to go to Coach Taylor. So I don't know, maybe he'll end up working with the team. That would be cool. Um, but this new girl's probably going to cause some drama, I think, especially if Lila comes back to town. So that'll be fun. But, uh, yeah, I'm so excited that the show's back on. I mean, I just love these characters, and I can't wait to see what happens with them. Even the douchers, you know, the McCoys. Brady was definitely a huge doucher on this first episode. And Joe is just going to be such a good antagonist. I mean, there's really never been, like, a really bad character on this show. So that's going to be fun. So, anyway, I will continue to try and get everyone to know to watch the show, but I never get any takers. I don't know what's wrong with people. I even show them pictures of Taylor Kitsch. It just doesn't work. So, I'll continue to watch, and at least I can get online and know that I'm not alone. So, good luck with the podcast. I'll be listening. Oh, and I love that song, Devil Town, that you play, or that you played um, during some of the season three episodes. So, Thank you, Sandy, from Seattle. And I think you have created a new term of endearment for the McCoys, the douchers. Um, uh, while both funny, I think it's quite accurate as well. And uh, I agree, just keep trying to show people the awesomeness of Friday Night Lights. One of the ways that I've been able to do that is is put the first season DVDs in somebody's hands and say, just give it a shot. Or go ahead and send them the links to uh, the first season on Hulu. Or if they have Netflix, they can watch the first two seasons online for free if they're a Netflix subscriber as well. So I've I've oftentimes just sent somebody a link with the uh, with the first episode straight from Hulu and say just give it a shot and then tell me what you think. And uh, seriously, I've only found one person that that has not been able to to engage and be a fan of Friday Night Lights. And I've had a lot of people go on and pass on my DVDs even to other people and, and spread the word and love there. So anyway, thanks for your comment. Look forward to hearing from you again very, very soon. One comment on the blog. This is Tim saying the best one-liner from the episode was Tammy saying, I hope you all get everything you deserve this year. The Joe McCoy and Wade Eggman. Um, subtle yet biting. And I agree, Tim. Very subtle, uh, but very direct as well. And now on to previews for next week. If you If you watch the the upcoming episode previews, you saw that uh, it looks like there's a, a big, uh, it looks like there's a big reaction to to the quitting at halftime, to the postponement. Uh, there are a lot of signs in the front yard at the Taylor's home with about quitter, and it seems like Landry uh, gets really ticked off and saying, you quit on us, and so I, why should I want to play for you? Uh, talking directly to Coach Taylor. Um, you see Coach Taylor come up to Vince and get, you know, looks like he's face-to-face, knee-to-knee with him, saying, look, don't quit on me. Don't quit on me, please. And then, too, I don't know if if Tim is asleep in the dumpster or what's happening there, but he, a cop has to get him out of a dumpster, it looks like, and saying he can't sleep here. And Coach is out on the field saying, I need some help. I need somebody to help to help me get this team where it needs to be. And you see Tim walking up towards the East Dillon football stadium where coach is and so we have to assume that tim is going to find a place helping out with the team um we knew that this would be a a, a, an entire episode i mean excuse me we knew this would be an entire season uh 
where Tim would uh, where Tim would be a part that he would not be at San Antonio State. I heard an interview with Peter Berg months ago where he said that uh, there's no way that they would let Tether Kitsch get away from Friday Night Lights, that he is as much a part of Friday Night Lights as anybody else, and that there would be such a huge fan uh, reaction and, and crash back that, that they could not let that happen. So um, I don't know exactly. What, oh, and then also it looks like Luke is one of the star running backs on – on West Dillon for the Panthers, and there's been some uh, some fudging on where his home is and what his actual address is, and so it's like you see that it looks like Buddy is turning in uh, his address, and so we assume that Luke will have to transfer from West to East Dillon, and uh, and from there be be one of the Lions, and not exactly knowing how that'll happen. I'm curious though because Vince is a running back too. Of course, he's injured. Luke seems to be a running back. I don't know if they can put Vince somewhere else or if somebody becomes a quarterback or if Calvin Brown comes back to be quarterback like he and it seems everybody else on the team said they wanted to be. Um, but I think it, again, opens up to be uh, more and more interesting storylines. Um, the only problem I, I seem to have, obviously, like at the beginning with some of the some of the unrealistic issues with only finding out in August what your field house looks like and who your teammates are and if you're going to this school or that school. But um, it seems like the episode went so quickly that it was over with, and I thought we should be about the halfway point. But that's a sign of a very good show. Oh, and one last interesting thing is that Devin, uh, the bass player from Crucifictorious, had to transfer because of where she lived, and Julie chose to transfer to, uh, to East Dillon. And at first I would think, well, she couldn't do that because if everybody – if everyone is having to be accurate with their where they live in the districting lines, and there's no way around that. But I, I believe most schools, as long as your parent is a teacher or an employee of, of a certain school, that district, then you can go and be a part of that school as well. So I'm assuming that's how she got around that. But thanks again for listening to the show. Uh, I think that wraps up this episode, episode four uh, one. Hopefully we'll be able to have one or two people on with us next time to have more of a dialogue about it. Um, again, we welcome your comments. Uh, just say visit the blog at fnlpodcast.com for the information of how to get in touch with us uh, or contact us right there on the blog. And um, let us know. Please give us feedback on how the show itself could be better. Please let us know how um, what features we can add. Uh, at the same time, I think we do have a couple of uh, interviews that we'll be able to, to line up yet again as we did before last season. Um, anyway, until then, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I was living in devil town, but didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it brings me down about the devil town.